I'm Harry Bridge. I'm Scott Mitchell. And this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We are coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for October 4th, 2019, and today we are talking about merit. So we're back uh, with our guest, Natalie Cooley, and um, very excited to have her here. And this is great because, you know, I'm a Mahayana Buddhist. Um, I think Scott, I don't, don't want to tell him how to identify himself. but I'm, I'm um, just some guy. Just some guy. Okay, I'm certainly <laughs> self-identified as Mahayana Buddhist. Yeah. Um, and we can so, talk about that later. <laughs> um, so we, oh, we wanted to uh, talk about uh, this issue of merit yeah. and merit in Buddhism. Uh, one area I see merit just, I'm so I'm just talking kind of as a student of Buddhism, and you know I didn't grow up Buddhist, and just this idea of uh, monastic practice as trying to attain enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Lay practice as trying to get good merit, trying to have um, generate good merit so that you can have a better rebirth. Right. Yeah. So you're not trying to attain enlightenment in this lifetime necessarily, yeah. um, but you do. So I call it the nirvana game for the monks <laughs> and the karma game for the mm-hmm. um, the um, the lay people. Yeah. I guess um, Spyro calls it um, karmatic. That's Buddhism, right. Yes. Yeah. Versus right? nibbonic, right? Yeah. So nirvanic and karmatic kind yeah. of right. And the idea that also that. The monk is a field of merit, That's and so right. by by giving to a um, ooh, maybe I said something good. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> you're, you're getting some good karma. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, by giving food or, or donating right. to the monastery, yeah. that the merit from that is multiplied, That's right? And you right. get even more because that the the monk is a field of merit, mm-hmm. right? And so so that idea of okay, I'm trying to accumulate merit. Merit is like positive energy, huh? It's like mm-hmm. this kind of spiritual positive energy that will have good results. That's It'll right. pay off later. Yeah. Um, and that Mahayana Buddhism comes up with this idea of merit transfer. Mm-hmm. And that uh, by if I generate good merit, rather than hold it for myself, mm-hmm. I can become a bodhisattva. Right. I can become someone aiming not only for enlightenment, but full Buddhahood. Yeah. Buddha's perfect enlightenment. And part of the path to that is to actually not hold that merit for that project at all, mm-hmm. but to give it away yeah. and transfer it to others. Yeah. Right? And that this idea is a new one in Buddhism. Well, but how own. is that like related to the idea of a monk being a field of merit? I mean, that's not, not to suggest that a monk is giving away merit necessarily, but the mechanism by which me giving... Uh, sustenance to a monk somehow I participate in that merit like, because right. of the field it's, of merit the, 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 the monastic right? is not giving you mm-hmm. his or right. her merit right. uh, just by being around that person and practicing um, dana by practicing dana you're increasing your own merit right mm-hmm. and it's through your acts of dana um, not through the acts of the priest and in fact there's been some really interesting work on this. Some people will say, you know, 
who the monastic is doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What their level of attainment is doesn't matter. It's it's the acts of me giving to the monastic. Um, mm-hmm. But that tends to be a very instrumental view of, of merit um, as this sort of uh, economic exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a work um, recently by no, actually it's a little dated now to Jeffrey Samuels where he really challenges that and he said he talks to people and he asks them about merit transference, and, not transference but merit accumulation and how that works. And the lay people he spoke to in Sri Lanka said it really does matter who the monastic is because the important part is producing santusa, which is. Happiness, happiness in the heart, and that's how you gain merit. Because when mm. you get happiness in the heart, you are naturally a more open person who's sharing, and and sharing the merit, right? Because so the, the monastic with the happy heart is sharing the merit, or the, the person no, the lay the person with the okay. happy heart is sharing the merit, right? Oh, okay. Um, and that's more of a social mode of merit. I mean, merit, I think, it, at its heart, is a very social idea, um, and we. I think a lot of people get caught up in the notion of I'm gaining merit and it ends up kind of mimicking Catholic notions of like, you know, gaining this stuff that you put in a storehouse. Um, that then gives you access to the right. post-mortem yeah. reward. Like, yeah. D&D. <laughs> you need 500 experience points to get the level hers. two. And, <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm really surprised this didn't come up sooner. <laughs> Experience points, right? Experience yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience, yeah, yeah. Ethical experience points. <laughs> this goes back to something that we talked about in the last podcast, which is um, the social karma notion mm. working on conditions, right? Um, like when you look at the Vipassana movement in Burma, that was originally a morality movement. That was about if we increase our morality, if we start practicing harder – our conditions will change because we've gained merit, and merit is how we change our conditions, right? And that's a long-term project. So they felt that practicing together in that way raised up the conditions for the whole society, um, raised the merit for the whole society. And the higher merit you have, uh, the more good good things come to you. So you can get rid of uh, the British if everybody (laughs) is raising that merit, right? And then there were these little rogue merit movements that were really threatening to colonial powers because they were super charismatic. So somebody would say, oh, I'm, a- I'm actually the next Buddha. <laughs> Here I am, Maitreya. And we are all filled with, um, we're all meritorious. We have high merit and your bullets can't kill us. And, and it was these really charismatic movements where people were willing to sacrifice themselves in the moment (laughs) that they faced guns and things like that um, because they believed in the power of merit as a protective force and as a social force. Um, I think that may be very different from the Jodo Shinshu notions of merit transference. (laughs) No, it's just the same. Okay. I think what I'd like to say is they're identical. But But I think it's an important key Two important terms are merit accumulation, yeah, and then merit transference, mm-hmm. right? It, more in the ec- economic model, yeah, right? and that, yep. that kind of. I think it seems like Jodo Shinshu kind of ex- 
I'm going to go out on a limb because this is the first time I'm kind of thinking about it this way, but yeah. as more of the economic model, mm-hmm. right? And that, um, yeah, that normally by chanting sutras, by mm-hmm. doing good deeds, I would normally be able to accumulate merit right. um, and maybe even give it away. That's right. Right? But then Shinran feels that um, even the good that I do is poisoned right. by my selfish intentions. Right. Right? And looking so at you can't it's not just merit. the act, it's the intention behind yeah, the act. Yeah. Right? And that that's um, so that the good thing is if I accidentally kick a dog, kicking it is a bad thing. So I would get like minus two <laughs> points, but mm-hmm. I didn't do it on purpose. So it's right. still only minus two. Right. But if I go out there and I see the dog and I kick it on purpose, then it's minus two for the kick and minus 20 for right. the, intention the intention to hurt the animal. Right? Yeah. And so... Um, Just to interrupt, I, I really like the idea of like thinking about Buddhism as a as a D and D game, right? a series, of, <laughs> series of boss fights I have to go through. <laughs> That's called the D and D model instead of the economic model. <laughs> well, you know, those similar models are going on mm-hmm. in Theravada traditions, where I mean, there's certainly the model of gain as much merit as possible, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time. Uh, and this is common with Jodashinshu, Mapo, like we're in the we're in the mm-hmm. time of the degraded Dharma. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the things that we do are are not great. <laughs> and they're not gonna be great because our intentions are not um, even if we I, wanted to, we could yeah, kind of attitude. Yeah. And and the answer is do your best and wait around for the next Buddha. That really I mean that is that's the that is the general um, attitude. Uh, Are there strands of that in Theravada that you know? No, that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right? what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It looks like yeah. Mapo, but it's not Mapo. I mean, is, is it Mapo? Yeah, it's that same it's idea. Same, it's the same. The I think I, the, the decline of the Dhamma. That's, right. I mean, that's um, a, I think that's, wow. that may be a commonality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's different, there's different sources for that idea, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering my... Uh, Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, and there's different different traditions have different time periods. Yeah, and yes, like, right. yeah, yeah. You know, there's like the threefold and different or the reasons or, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that um, bikuni ordination is. Um, yeah, often cited as one of the reasons why the dharma is going to decline. That's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's in one of the original stories, right? Like the Buddha says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll ordain I'll these women, but just so you know, if I do this, the Dharma is only going to last for X number of centuries instead of whatever. Right. So it's like, and then, you know. I call fake Buddha quote. Right. Right, then and that's exactly say, what happens. Because then people say, oh, that was added later. That was later. <laughs> that was a later accretion, right? Mm-hmm. Those sexist monks, centuries after the yeah. death of the Buddha, they added that story in. That's what they say. The that's people, that's the people who don't yeah. like that story, like the people. Right, right, who right, right, like, right, right. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that interesting? I mean, it's like the last time we were talking about how like that enterprise is kind of a negative thing, but I think you could kind of. It's, it's so complex. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just like if you do this, you're good, and if you do this, you're wrong. Right. Right. If you if you try and reinterpret the past writings. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And it's like, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, constantly going yeah. on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's always negotiated. Yeah. Always, yeah. always being negotiated. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I hear stories like that. That that particular story of the the foundation of the Bakuni Sangha. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like that story. That, that really yeah. bothers me. Yeah. You know, I read those things in Buddhism and I think to myself, why would anybody want to be part of this tradition? That's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. rotten to the core. Yeah. Um, which is a harsh, uncomfortable thing. It is. But it's, that's the thing. You're supposed to wrestle with the difficult <laughs> stuff. If you don't wrestle with the difficult stuff, the easy way out is to, and maybe we can't because we live in a mapo and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Or acknowledge that our values are very different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Than the values of the people that won, that got the stuff written down, right? I mean, it's like that wasn't, maybe that wasn't the only, but there's another thing too, that that story is the one that got canonized, Mm -hmm. but it may Mm -hmm. not have been the only story. Right. So if we, if I say, well, that, I don't, I don't know, that sounds like whatever, and say, no, you're doing the fake Buddha quote thing. Mm-hmm. Then it's like oh, it almost becomes like well, so I'm not allowed to criticize the tradition too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all these pow- oh, power games in my head. Yeah. Like it's just like everything <laughs> yeah. we do is like a power game. But yeah. I guess realize that bringing that to the consciousness, I think, is is part of the enterprise for me. Right. Is to to try and realize, you know, that. Um, what if the Buddha said that? You know, mm-hmm. like that's the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where it hurts most, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. what if the Buddha said that? And then and then what? I've actually heard people wrestle with that question too and say, well, I think that I think the common way of looking at it is through uh, social context, like that was the context of the Buddha. Um, he said that because it was true, because it he knew the Dharma would be attacked and therefore it was an accurate statement, it, but it wasn't. Its heart wasn't misogynistic. Mm-hmm. It was just predictive. Mm-hmm. Such interesting ways of mm-hmm. like coming to terms with different strands in the tradition that uh, that aren't the Buddha as wished for. Yeah. That's a good turn of phrase. Yeah. The Buddha as wished for, absolutely. Because yeah. that's have, the thing. That's that's yeah. the part that like yeah. you hear you you have this idea in your mind of the Buddha mm-hmm. as this. Not a perfect being in the abstract, but a yeah. perfect being according to whatever your desire yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like, I want the Buddha to be a feminist and a progressive mm-hmm. and, a, yeah. you know, vote for Obama and, you know, whatever yeah. else. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm still yeah. living in 2008. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but all of that is my own, my own projection onto the Buddha, not... But then there's yeah. always going to be that projection, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. This goes back to what we were talking... Well, maybe I'll save this for our next talk about how scholars... Mm-hmm. I would say always participate in this kind of discourse oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we're we're always in this in a body. <laughs> we're always shaped by we're whatever cultural text. forces. <laughs> we're, we're not, not in, in text. Yeah. In text and just you know, <laughs> just in disembodied consciousness. Just in the classroom and then you disappear after, until until office hours. It's like the demonicai appears in the classroom. And then <laughs> See, these are Mahayana jokes, right? Like, I couldn't even make these. That's great. <laughs> um, to go back to merit again yeah, for let's a go second. Yeah, let's go back to merit. Please. I, uh, one of the things I find interesting is the way that text has been treated um, historically in Southeast Asia um, and in, South, in Sri Lanka as well, which is that they are merit-producing just by being there, right? Mm-hmm. Just their mere presence. And they're not about reading. It's not about mm-hmm. reading the text. It's about being near the text. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really different understanding of text, first of all. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
the person, the scribe is just someone who's making merit, and the merit isn't producing the object, right? It's not the contents, it's mm-hmm, the object. Mm-hmm. And it never has to actually be read. It's, right. it's copied, put in a in a like in, in right. a pan, right? Yeah. Put in a tube mm-hmm. and buried in the ground. Nobody read right. it, mm-hmm. and yet that was incredibly merit making. Right. And this to me seems like another comment. I mean, I, I that idea is a really fascinating idea. Yeah. I'd love to know more about the sort of historical trajectory of that yeah. idea because it's very similar in Japan too. Mm-hmm. When I was in Taiwan this this past summer, Taiwan, we went to Dharma Drum mm-hmm. uh, Monastery, and they have this gigantic bell, like. You know, everything in Taiwan is huge, and they made some claim like it's the biggest bell, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's the, yeah. the biggest bell where, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's a huge. big bell. It's a big bell. <laughs> <laughs> but um, entirely engraved on the bell, on the inside and the outside, um, is the um, entire text of the Lotus Sutra, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. And so, as they were giving us this tour, they said, you know, whenever we ring this bell, the merit of the Lotus Sutra rings out across, you know, the valley that we were overlooking. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you don't have to read it. You just ring the bell and all the merit goes, you know. Similar thing in in Japan, right? They have the, um, I was in Kamakura and they have the, the, one of those big wheels that has the entire uh, cannon inside of it and you, 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 so cool. you move the yeah. wheel like you yeah. circumambulate the wheel and you move it and that, that makes merit you know mm-hmm. you don't have to read it like mm-hmm. I have generated all of the merit mm-hmm. from reading the canon without having to read it yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> how many XP points for that <laughs> I, I also want to mention that um, text the polycanon in particular was not a complete text that people had in Southeast Asia. This was not something people were lugging around, you know. Um, the Pali Canon, it was pieces and bits spread out all over the place. And in fact, there's not complete um, agreement uh, on what the content should be. I think the Thai Tipitaka has um, the questions of Melinda in it, and the Sri Lankan Canon doesn't. So um, again, when, you, when it's text as meritorious object, uh, those those issues kind of fall away, and it's not about it's not about content anymore. It's about continuity. It's about um, group practice. Uh, it's about social karma, um, and I think a lot of that has gotten lost as we went more to the Protestant model. Hmm. First of all, as everything was collated and all the texts were brought together into one place, but then the idea of we should read it instead of we should venerating it right as as part of the heart of the tradition that we share right i don't mean us in this room but i mean you know the larger community and that's and that's i think especially one of the places where you hear well this idea of like the power of the text without even having to read it that's a later thing that's what those asians did right right that they didn't really understand that the true meaning that, that's in the yeah, words, absolutely, right? like totally, absolutely. Like the whole thing, right? It, with the whole Orientalism project, with the whole white supremacy project, right? Mm-hmm. Because entire uh, cultures, thousands of years, can be discounted as not real Buddhism, and we're back to the authentic issues. And who's authentic? My discourses are authentic, and who's not authentic? Suspicious. I mean, not su- suspicious, but. Well, suspicious, yes, that too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but superstitious. Superstitious is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. You know, Asians, mm-hmm. right. and that discourse is repeated 
over and over and over again in the United States. And in fact, I would say it's a dominant discourse in terms of media of Buddhism. Um, but, you know, I think I found it in BCA temples, too. Do you? I think that it's, um, and maybe it's related to the internment and, hmm. um, you know, post-internment and wanting to distance oneself yeah. from the mysterious Asian thing. Yeah. No, 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 we're American. Yep. We don't believe in that stuff. We're rational. Oh, yes, yeah. we're going back to the... Maybe that's part of the roots of general Buddhism and BCA Dharma school, Yeah. Um, where it was like not run by ministers. So the ministers are still doing their Jodo Shinshu Japanese discourse. Yeah. And then the American English-speaking mm-hmm. um, second-generation mm-hmm. Dharma school teachers, and even third-generation, right, are kind of creating this general yeah. Buddhism that's rooted yeah. in Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path. Right, um, yep more kind of um they didn't call it Theravada but I think maybe some saw it as that and they kind of thought you know this whole Jodo Shinshu thing is a little too mystical and a little too we can't even understand it and so let's go back to what the Buddha the the basic stuff that he really taught and Michihiro Ama right he (laughs) wrote about uh the Theravada tradition early on being kind of brought Mm -hmm. into Jodo Shinshu oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. definitely because there was a um Part, as part of the Orientalist project in the early part of the 20th century, as you know, basically white Europeans and Americans were getting interested in Buddhism, looking for the text, looking right. for the historical founder, which is essentially a Protestant project, they yeah. went to the source. And coincidentally, and um, uh, not coincidentally, but very intentionally sometimes, yeah. certain um, Theravada reformers in Asia, absolutely, you know, created their own discourse of we're Theravada, we're the tradition of the elders, That's i.e., right. the tradition that goes back to the historical right. Buddha. Therefore, our texts are. Uh, that's a Mahavihara yeah, project, right? Are, there. are yeah. much older than all this Mahayana stuff. And so yeah. then there became this sort of zeitgeist in the early part of the 20th century of people looking to mm-hmm. Theravada as the original source that's of right. Buddhism, yeah. which was sort of the. Um, I think I think Ama is saying it's sort of in the background as Jodo Shinshu is um, taking hold in the United States, and you know, it, you know, and w- another part of that story, of course, is that people assume that you know Jodo Shinshu was just this immigrant community and is sort of self-involved mm-hmm. and not really engaging mm-hmm. in the wider mm-hmm. culture. But you know, before the war, there were yeah. white people coming all the time to the temple because they were interested in Buddhism, and there were yeah. just there was nothing else here, right? There were no other yeah. large established mm-hmm. communities of Buddhism. And so, you know, these, these ministers from Japan have this community, some random white dude shows up and says, tell me about the historical Buddha. And they're like, uh, yeah. Shakyamuni? Yeah, he said that, you know, you got to wait for the Pure Land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he came to preach about Amida. That's yes. Fundamental right. intent. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and then in that context, Alma is arguing, you know, certain projects like the one you're talking about begin where people try to at the very least talk about Jodo Shinshu as in relationship to the larger tradition right not what makes it unique and different and Mm -hmm. sometimes really weird Um, I'll just be honest (laughs) but but that continuity right and I think that 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 project of showing the ways in which Jodo Shinshu is is, uh, in continuity with larger Mahayana projects larger Buddhist Mm -hmm. projects continues up to the present I mean you know um, there's you know a lot of a lot of these popular books on Jodo Shinshu will say you know Jodo Shinshu is Mahayana mm-hmm. Mahayana which is just like Buddhism and you know they'll sort of make those connections mm-hmm. between certain 
Jodo Shinshu ideas with other more normative, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, Mahayana ideas. And, you know, that's a project. It's a, a project. Um, but I think it's much more interesting, as you were saying before, talking about, you know, the way in which Shinran basically says, you know, even when we try to do good, we can't do good. That's a that's a hard statement. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. yeah. That, to me, is way more interesting than, you know, trying to say, oh, well, Jodo Shinshu is just, you know, part of Mahayana. I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, these ideas aren't, didn't come out of nowhere. You know, yeah. Shinran was reading the Lotus Sutra and the yeah. um, Pardon Nirvana Sutra. And all, you know, he was deeply really well educated (laughs) deeply entrenched within a pretty normative Tendai Mahayana context Mm -hmm. but then take some of these ideas to their logical extreme like the the idea of merit transference and and all that kind of stuff so you know it's and it's a hard pill to swallow yeah it it also to me that that seems to kind of show the tensions that the Japanese American community was likely facing at that time where you don't want to be different Mm -hmm. because that um, that means being attacked. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. <laughs> right? it's quite literally, yeah. So, so this sense of um, not not being different can, you know, it reminds me of something I've been thinking about lately. Um, Anne Glegg's most recent book, which is a fabulous book, is called American Dharma, which troubles me so much. <laughs> and I know it was her publisher and not her that, that really came up with that. Um, and there's another book, um, American Sutra, what's his name? I'm sorry. Duncan Williams. Thank you, Duncan Williams. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how those two, they both use the word American, mm-hmm. but they function so, so differently. differently mm-hmm. Right? So for one group, it's about saying, well, we are real Buddhism. And this group, this very specific um, interpretation of Buddhism that's coming out of convert meditation communities represents. American Buddhism, because we are American Dharma, and anybody outside of this is not quite American, right? Hmm. But I, I think American Sutra is pushing on a different narrative, which is which is saying the opposite. It's saying we this is American, right? This is Amer- an American form of Buddhist practice. Hmm. Um, so, sort of pushing pushing back against that notion of. <laughs> The meditation communities, yeah. Yeah. right. And this, this is part of the overlapping um, communities and of insiders and outsiders we're talking about, yeah. right? It's like, as an American Buddhist, you're you're claiming an identity in two different bounded right. communities: That's right. Buddhism and America. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm an American, and that yeah. has certain kinds of meanings. Yeah. I'm also saying I'm a Buddhist, that has certain kind of meanings. Those are overlapping communities, yeah. and oftentimes. That overlap of that weird Venn diagram uh-huh. um, is that's where I think the tension mm-hmm. is getting worked out, right? Mm-hmm. And either and within that sort of overlap, either you're not American enough or you're not Buddhist enough. That's right. Depending that's on it. depending that's on it. who's doing the critique. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you're like you're pushed out of one, but you're still in the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why it's lazy and helpful at the same time for me to just put a big mm-hmm. circle around it, the yeah. whole darn thing and be all like, of it, yeah. all of you guys are Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> you're all Buddhist. <laughs> you know? um, and then what? <laughs> yeah. Then what? But, well, I mean, that's that's sort of the, to me that's always the question. Like you were saying before, right? Mm-hmm. What if the Buddha did say this? What yeah. if what if the, the, the people doing ethnic cleansing in Myanmar are Buddhists? Then what? Yeah. That's the deeper question. Yeah. Which I think, you know, as a as a teacher, that's what my job is, is to make people think. Um, that's why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> also, not to learn about D and D. I just want to put that out there. Got it. But the, a lot of these, the the value systems or the 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 criteria that we judge have changed over the past that? 120 years yeah. too, or however long we're going to look, right? Um, so what it meant to be American and Buddhist in the 50s yeah. Yeah. is different than what it meant in the 90s or yeah. 2000s or whatever. Yeah. And I think we can see that maybe in the way some temples legally changed their names to temple. So it used to be Berkeley ah, Buddhist Church, but now yeah. it's Berkeley Buddhist Temple. Kind of reclaiming Oakland some of the stuff. Oakland is Buddhist Church of Oakland. Yeah. But which way are you going? Are you saying, oh, we made a mistake by calling ourselves churches, a church? We're really a temple, mm-hmm. and so we're changing it. But to me now, I prefer calling it a church because that's what they call it at the beginning. Ah. And temple is just another English word. Are we that close to the Jewish temple or the Mormon (laughs) temple? I mean, it's like temple does not more naturally equate to Otera or whatever Mm -hmm. the the Mm -hmm. Indian or Chinese word we're going to use. So it's like, so I've kind of embraced church. Whereas yeah. when I started, I thought maybe Lodi should become the Buddhist church, Buddhist temple of Lodi. <laughs> but then I would talk to members and be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to the temple. And they were like, where? It's like, oh, I'm going to church. Oh, they didn't think of it as a temple. Yeah. They thought of it as a church. Yeah. yeah. So It is a church. It, right. It's got so many <laughs> church features, right? And if we were Buddhist temples of America, that would be a joke because we're not. We're jo- Nishihonganji Jodo That's Shinshu right. Buddhist temples of America. That's right. Yeah. But Buddhist churches of America, it's not a problem because we're the only ones that ever called ourselves churches. <laughs> so we are the Buddhist churches of America. Nobody else calls themselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm with you. Only. People always are like, how come they call themselves churches? Why not temples? And I'm like, yeah. because temples more Buddhist? Like, temple's also an English word. Like, <laughs> But te- that temple has a sense of othering built into it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, church is homegrown. Yeah. A temple, mm. it's a little off. Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. off. Yeah. It's the romantic yeah. Asian thing yeah. or, or the Orientalist thing uh-huh. of... Right, or Jewish, which Jewish, is right? uh, a different kind of Orientalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Two sides right. of the same coin, right? Like yeah. Othering, either to be exotic and interesting, or othering right. to be intentional, outsider. saying oh, like, oh, "This yeah. is I'm reclaiming this." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a lot of the um, uh, uh, discourses that are used to explicitly take back terms that were used to mm-hmm. denigrate them and mm-hmm. then saying this is my term right. and, mm-hmm. and, right, right. and I'm going to own it mm-hmm. and you're the one who needs to figure out why you're uncomfortable with it you know mm-hmm. so I can see both of those mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. opinions being really uh, really really thought through mm-hmm.